Hello and welcome back to the Wrestling Rodeo Podcast. We took a brief hiatus the last couple of weeks to acquire some Stampede Wrestling history in the master tapes from Lethbridge for the Stu Hart Tribute Show from 1995. A rare treat for anyone who likes wrestling. So we're going to review that after we get through the rest of 1987. This episode, October 1987. As always, I'm Paul. I'm joined by my co-host, Mitch. Mitch, how are you doing? Living the dream in quarantine. <laughs> it's been rough not having local wrestling to go watch. It really has been. You get so spoiled with it and then get it taken away and realize how lucky you are. Oh yeah, it's it's been gone for three months now. It's been it's been a struggle. If we didn't have these Stampede Wrestling shows to watch, I I don't know what I would be doing with my time. Yeah, I'd say I'd be applying myself, but I know that's not the case. <laughs> well, let's jump into the first show from October 9th, 1987. We start off with a singles match between Stavros. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. I know I will butcher it. Defeating Beef Wellington. This one was a pretty good match. Wellington was in control at the body slam. Headlock, jumping, knee drop. It's going for the pin. Stavros is fighting back. Hits a big clothesline. Locks in a headlock. Wellington reverses into a head scissors. There's some good scientific, some good chain wrestling going on here. But ultimately, Wellington whips Havros. He does a leapfrog over Wellington and then a jumping forearm for the pinfall victory. And after that, we have Ed Whalen interviewing Stavros. And Stavros immediately says, I've been working out for 10 years. Well, you know, he's more a power man. So he's not going to be scientific out there. But if he gets a hold of you, you could be in trouble at any point. <laughs> but still it was it was hilarious just stavros tell me about yourself well i've been working out for 10 years how long have you been wrestling <laughs> <laughs> but also the really weird thing is stavros disappeared after this we didn't see him the rest of the month well you know perhaps he's working on a comeback <laughs> Just so strange to have Stavro show up, win in such a decisive manner, get that post-match interview, and then disappear. Yeah, that was odd. Yeah, but Mock and Singh is in the ring after. Great promo by Mock and Singh against Corporal Kirshner, and he's telling Corporal Kirshner to only worry about himself and his own future, not Mock and Singh's past. Obviously. Corporal Kirshner is saying that Singh is a draft dodger, that he is the reason why some of his partners, some of his friends didn't come home from the war. So some pretty deep stuff, some pretty major allegations being made towards Singh. But Singh, he wants to bury that stuff, which almost makes me feel like it's true for the character that he was being a draft dodger. Well, it wouldn't be unprecedented. I actually had a teacher that was a draft dodger. Really? Yeah, one Did of my look like Mock and Singh? He was an average build. Not, not a super Italian. heavy. That part of the promo is pretty good. And then he starts straight into his match tonight. 
where he's talking about the international tag team championships being held by Bruce Hart and Brian Pillman at the time with his tag partner, Jerry Morrow. And it's weird to see him tagging with Jerry Morrow because Gamma Singh and Mockin Singh is just such a natural pairing. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, but I think Gamma's more has more of the single championship on his mind. True, because he, he does defend it later it, in this show as well. And, you know, Jerry Morrow is a formidable partner to have out there. True, and Jerry Morrow says the line of the promo, if you don't want to get hurt, you can just give us the titles. And, you know, no surprise, they didn't just hand them over. <laughs> well, I, well, I'd I don't, love to see that just once. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can just give me the title. Oh, okay, here you go. Going from those two tag teams, that tag team and Bad Company, we go straight to another tag team match, Chris Benoit and Johnny Smith, the storyline brother of Davey Boy Smith, defeating Goldie Rogers in Viet Cong Express number two. This match was solid. It wasn't exceptional. It wasn't what these four guys could do. It wasn't everything. You could tell they were definitely holding some stuff back. Yeah, it was more of a palate cleanser match. If we didn't have Stavros versus Beef Wellington as the first match, this would have been a perfect opener match. And maybe with a little bit more time, they would have had a little bit more of an opportunity to tell a better story in the ring. But this was pretty typical stampede fare for a tag team match. Goldie Rogers, Viet Cong Express, number two. They're getting yellow cards. They're almost getting disqualified. And the finish comes when Viet Cong Express and Rogers look to send Benoit and Smith into each other with Irish whips from each corner into the middle of the ring. But they link arms and they do the do-si-do and then they come flying back at them. Smith hits Viet Cong Express with a forearm and Benoit sneaks behind Rogers and rolls him up for the win. It would have been a fine opener for the show. It just felt a little bit of a letdown with these four men in the ring. Yeah, it could have been more. Yeah, but we, we go from that, we go to a Zodiac and Jason the Terrible promo saying that Bad Company feels their eyes constantly watching them. Corporal Kirshner needs to avoid his hubris being his own downfall. And Owen Hart needs to be warned that his youth is launching him into a situation that his spirit won't be able to get out of. And Jason the Terrible is ordered to show no mercy in his match with Owen Hart, which is the main event of the evening. Vice Busters might have the spirit, but their souls belong to Zodiac and Terrible, the Legion of Doom. The Road Warriors were named the Legion of Doom in the WWF, but these guys, they coined the phrase, they used that name about three years before the Road Warriors chose that name. Ahead of their time. And going from that promo from Zodiac and Jason the Terrible, we get into the first match where it's Corporal Kirshner and Zodiac. Zodiac is in control at the start of this one, slamming and suplexing Kirshner at will, whipping Kirshner into the corner, stiff clothesline and a pile driver in the middle of the ring. And Zodiac's just keeping on top of Kirshner, not letting him get a breath. But Zodiac, he goes up to the top rope to do a dive, and Kirshner gets up and throws him from the corner into the middle of the ring. And from there, it's, it's all Kirshner. Zodiac didn't really have a chance. 
he gets hit with a big back body drop from Kirshner and then hits him with a kamikaze drop, which is a, a Samoan drop for the listeners that haven't seen Corporal Kirshner work. And then he starts going to the mask of Zodiac and he's trying to unmask and find out who's underneath that mask. But Jason the Terrible is in really quick and just stops that in its tracks and Corporal Kirshner gets the victory by disqualification. Yeah, the Zodiac's kind of growing on me though. I think it was one of his better matches. Yeah, this match was one of his better ones. I like the Zodiac because he's so different. Like he's got that kind of, ooh, I'm, I'm spooky, I'm mystic, I'm a witch sort of promo style. Everyone else is interviewed in the ring and Zodiac is pre-filmed and it's, it's eerie and it's different than the rest of Stampede. And it, he stands out from that. And the matches too, I think he's growing more comfortable in the ring. Yeah, he's Barry Orton. He's the brother of Cowboy Bob Orton. So he's got the bloodlines to be just a solid wrestler in the ring. We go to the Stampede International Tag Team title match, which was teased earlier in the promo from Mockinson and Jerry Morrow. We have Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart, the team of Bad Company, taking on Jerry Morrow and Mockinson, representing the Karachi Vice. And the, the story they're telling here, and Ed Whalen's like really laying into it, is Morrow and Mockinson are starting to hate each other as tag team partners. They're out of sync. They're not tagging each other in when they're supposed to tag in. And you could see a little bit of friction between the two wrestlers as this match went on. Jerry Morrow, obviously he's doing his, his shtick where he's pulling off a little bit of tape from his wrist and choking Brian Pillman in the middle of the ring, but hiding it with his with his other arm when the referee kind of comes around to look at well, what's going on with Brian Pillman's throat. Goes for a pin. Pillman kicks out of the last possible second. And he gets up really quickly to go tag Bruce Hart. And the referee's a little confused. And he follows him a little bit. And Mocken gets, gets in the ring with a foreign object and is able to punch Pillman in the throat before... Ha- throwing it over to Jerry Morrow who then throws Pillman over the top rope while the referee is still distracted. Referee, Jürgen Herman, he's blind. He's lost total control of this match. And I kind of enjoy the storyline that the referee is just incompetent. Well, and I think not just incompetent, but a little crooked even. Well, I don't think he's crooked. Do you? Well, maybe I just saw it because I like the good guy. I, I don't think he's purposely cheating. He's not seeing but, them do it and then turning away like a little bit late. He's just looking the other way when they throw Brian Pillman over the top rope. That's true. I think he's just bad at his job. Which only adds to the charm of the whole broadcast. Oh, yeah. It, it's such a creative character for a referee. We, we had the crooked referee in January of 1987, and now we have the referee that is just incompetent. He tries hard, but he's not very good. And if he does see something, he'll call it. Oh, yeah, and that, that's why I don't think he's necessarily crooked. 
But anyway, Makin Singh and Brian Pillman, they get back into the ring and Makin puts Pillman in a bear hug. And Pillman's battling, punching him. He's hitting him with elbows. He's kicking him in the knees. And he ends up battling to the corner to tag Bruce in. But wouldn't you know it, referee Jurgen Herman gets distracted by Jerry Morrow and he misses the tag and throws Bruce Hart out of the ring. Pillman gets a second win, thankfully, and he goes for a backslide pin on Morrow. But again, referee Jurgen Herman is distracted. He's talking to Mock and Singh. I don't think he's crooked, but I can see why you think he might be crooked if that's all you kind of see. Well, like I say, when you kind of come at it from the you want the good guys to win viewpoint, you remember those ones more than the ones that go the other way. Jerry Morrow hits a big splash on a down Pillman, and Hart bursts into the ring and breaks that pin up, and Jurgen Herman misses that too. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why they're bad company, is they're willing to go toe-to-toe by your rules if you want to do that stuff. And Pillman, he gets his third win to this match, and he's, he's an athletic marvel. He runs the ropes four times, and he gets faster and faster every single time he bounces off those ropes. He's ducking clotheslines. He's doing leapfrogs, and he hits a big spinning back kick. It's a thing of beauty. He's really an athletic marvel. Uh, he quickly tags Hart in, and Hart whips Moro into the corner where Machen is distracting Jurgen Herman. And Jurgen Herman ends up getting sandwiched between Jerry Morrow and Mockin Singh. And everybody is fighting everybody. Pillman's in the ring, Morrow's in the ring, Mockin's in the ring, Hart's in the ring. And Pillman hits Morrow with a vertical suplex from the apron into the ring. And Morrow ends up landing on top of Pillman in a pin. And at the same time, Bruce Hart pins Mockin Singh. And Jurgen Herman comes to and he sees this and he counts to three on both teams, vacating the titles for a future match. Yeah, i got to give him full credit for a stunning outcome. I was not expecting that outcome at all, where the titles would be stripped from bad company and awarded to neither team, held up. I'm looking forward to the match where one of those teams actually beats the other one to win those titles. And it sets up a good rivalry without a clear champion. So you... uh you're both on even footing. Both teams are irate with referee Jurgen Herman, and Pillman says that he was going to tell everybody that their bandanas were now on sale, and they call them badanas. But he's too upset to tell them that, which is the funniest thing to me. They're on sale now, but I'm too upset to tell you they're on sale. <laughs> like, <laughs> get that money however you can, though, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they probably, did they donate some of the proceeds? I believe they were donating some of it to children's hospitals in the Southern Alberta area. But the specific charity, I don't recall it. But either way, I never, never mind when these guys put merchandise on. Some of it's really cool. Oh, for sure. We go from... Mockin Singh and Jerry Morrow, two parts of Karachi Vice, two, one of the best parts of Stampede Wrestling, the third member of Karachi Vice, Gamma Singh, the Stampede British Commonwealth mid-heavyweight champion, defending his title against 
Hiro Haze, the former Viet Cong Express number one. I was really looking forward to this match because these are two of the best back then. This match was really good. Jim Davies on commentary actually got quite a bit of a chuckle from me because he said it's impossible to be partial when Karachi Vice are involved in a match because their antics border on the criminally insane. <laughs> Gamma Singh's in control of the match at the start, but Haze is able to quickly reverse that when Gamma goes to the top rope and hits him with a big superplex into the ring before picking him up and whipping him into the ropes, hitting him with a big karate kick on the rebound. A lot of suplexes from Haze to Gamma, and then attacks Gamma with a drop kick that sends him out of the ring between the second and third rope. And Haze, formerly Viet Cong Express number one, he's well aware of the antics of Karachi Vice. He wastes no time. He goes to the outside and he's beating down Gamma on the outside of the ring with some kicks right in front of the first row. And you can tell the audience is really into it, almost feeling the impact of these kicks to Gamma Singh's chest. Oh, yeah. The fans just love it. Gamma Singh gets up onto the apron and Haze smashes his head into the turnbuckle. And then Judah Rosenblum is out to distract referee Wayne Hart. It works. Makin Singh gets into the ring and he nails Haze with a Karachi crunch, which gives Gamma the opportunity to put a Cobra hold on Haze. Pillman comes out like Grease Lightning and he attacks Gamma in the ring to save his friend, Hiro Haze. Gets distracted by Moro and receives a Karachi crunch of his own for his troubles. Bruce Hart's out and he attacks everybody. Pillman dives from the apron onto Mock and Singh. It's all hell broke loose. We don't have a winner. It's a no contest. But it sets up Hiro Haze, Brian Pillman, Bruce Hart against Gamma Singh, Mock and Singh, and Jerry Morrow the following week in a six-man tag team match. And Gamma Singh says six is their lucky number. They each have six eggs for breakfast. They run six miles every day, and they have six girlfriends each. Yeah, Gamma was, you got to love the guy, you know. He can do it in the ring. He can talk. He can get you to truly dislike him. His promos are fantastic. He's a master at it. Yeah, he just plays the heel so well. You really forget there's a real guy there, you know. Well, and that's the thing. I never really knew Gamma Singh. He was before my time. I'd never seen him wrestle. I'd never seen him cut a promo before like this. I've seen him here and there in Calgary when his son's wrestling and he's there, act, there acting as a manager. But Gamma Singh in his prime, what a talent. Yeah, he could, you could put him in with anyone. You're going to get a good show. Absolutely. And he was going to work the crowd. Even when he's in the ring, he's not even, you know, He's working him while he's going through the match so well. Exactly. So, so when you were a kid watching Stampede Wrestling, did you hate Gamma? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I loved him. He was just the consummate villain. He was always spitting on the good guys. And he was always cheating. And then he would come on and basically say, well, you got to watch these other guys. They're cheating. You were just <laughs> not right. <laughs> 
Oh, what what a legend, though. He is a true legend of Calgary wrestling. Oh, yeah. Looking back, he was, he was just part of a great entertainment package for years, decades. So we've seen the Stampede International Tag Team title. We've seen the British Commonwealth mid-heavyweight title. It's time to see the Stampede North American heavyweight title defended. Our champion, Owen Hart, defending against Jason the Terrible, the most frightening man in professional wrestling. And Jason continues to blow me away with how athletic and powerful and fast and just the character work that he does is phenomenal. Owen is in control of this when we join it in progress. He throws Jason off the top rope and hits Jason with a big elbow drop. And instead of going for the pin, he starts to go after Jason's mask. And Zodiac obviously is out there managing Jason the terribly, gets up on the apron to distract the referee and Owen at the same time, which gives Jason the opportunity to get back up and hit Owen with a high knee and then choke him over the top rope. He goes for a splash in the corner. Owen luckily gets out of the way and gets Jason into a crucifix pin for a two count. Owen, the timekeeper, the commentary team, everyone in the ring, everyone around the ring, everyone in that arena is beside themselves. They can't believe that Jason kicked out of that crucifix pin. But Jason goes up to the top for a headbutt and Owen, lightning quick, he's on that second rope and hits a vertical suplex to Jason from there. Lands a jumping stomp to Jason's head from the second rope. He goes for another vertical suplex, but both men spill over the top rope. And Owen is trying to get back in the ring and Jason the Terrible is trying to get back in the ring. And it looks like Owen's about to get in at the count of nine, but Jason grabs Owen's head and pulls him back and slams him back first into the concrete. And it's a double count out. So Owen Hart retains his title, but he definitely didn't win this match. No, this one was a battle and you really look forward to round two, so to speak, because I mean, like you say, Jason is just impressive by his speed and his how many, you know, how well he does the moves and Owens just a joy to watch that you'd almost you know these are the ones where I wish I could see the full broadcast of the match oh yeah if back to the future if a time traveling DeLorean ever becomes reality I am just going to jump back and forth to dates and stampede wrestling history for probably a solid month of my life to watch those matches See, I, I would go back and talk to younger me and say, you know, when it comes, take the blue pill. Just to <laughs> mess with myself. <laughs> As you mentioned, the rematch between Owen and Jason the Terrible, we didn't have to wait very long. They did it the next week. But before we talk about that match, we got to get through the rest of the October 16th, 1987 show. Open up. Johnny Smith, Viet Cong Express number two. 
This one was more what I was expecting from these two guys. It was really good. Back and forth for a while, Viet Cong Express locking in a Boston crab on Smith, who has to grab the bottom rope for a rope break. Viet Cong whips Smith and catches him in an abdominal stretch, and Smith is tired. He's down on the mat. Viet Cong Express breaks the hold and goes for a diving elbow. Misses it. Big scoop slam by Smith. This is his comeback. He's picking him up for a side slam. And he whips Viet Cong Express number two into the corner. And for Viet Cong Express, luckily, he acts like a matador and he just avoids the raging bull that comes at him. Viet Cong Express lays into Smith with a couple of snap suplexes and attempts a chop to a running Smith who reverses it and traps Viet Cong Express in a crucifix pin for the win. And Johnny Smith isn't a small man. Like This is a true heavyweight going up for the crucifix pin on Viet Cong Express number two. The more I see of Johnny Smith, the more I like him. He's versatile. He's reliable. He can work any opponent. He can work heel or face. He can work mid-heavyweights. He can work heavyweights. He can deliver solid matches as a single wrestler or in a tag team. He always makes his opponent look good, and he always delivers regardless of where he is on the card. He's in an opening match this week. He could be in a main event the next two weeks, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. He is really impressive. For, and unfortunately, I never knew about him before we went back and watched these tapes. Yeah, when I used to watch him when I was younger, it was he was one of the guys that you kind of expected to follow the British Bulldogs and the Hearts into you know the bigger time because he was so good. You could see he was just building, getting better. I'm so glad that he's so featured throughout these these shows. Mocking Singh and Jerry Morrow. And Bad Company, they all come out to hype up the six-man match later that evening. Pillman bestowing a bad Anna on Jim Davies because Jim Davies has always had the back of Bad Company, even when Ed Whalen has the back of Bad News Allen. Yeah, a little split between the announcers there. And the, uh, hear a little bit of it, too, while they're announcing. Jim Davies asks Bruce Hart if he has any concerns, and Hart says that his only concern is how they're going to carry Mockin's carcass out of the ring. Yeah, what did he suggest? A bulldozer? or Yeah, a bulldozer or a backhoe. It, it was some really heavy machinery he recommended. We go from that great promo setting the stage for later this this evening we go to a singles match where corporal kirshner defeats bill jodine and these two are just throwing them it's an absolute brawl it's not pretty but it's effective they break apart for a moment and jodine attempts and test of strength and the two men lock up in the middle of the ring neither giving an inch to the other so they start exchanging kicks to the midsection while their hands are locked to each other Kirshner launches him with a monkey flip and 
at this point, Mockin Singh is out of the announcer's table. He's yelling at Kirshner in the ring that he's G.I. Joe and that he should be trying against a real wrestler like him. And Kirshner responds by getting Joe Dean up and hitting him with the kamikaze drop for the pinfall victory. Yeah, a little in your face to Maka there. This is for you. That might be a pretty good feud between the two of them. I'm looking forward to seeing when those two guys get in the ring together and throw down. Yeah, that'd be a really good... Well, you know it's coming because they're definitely building to it. They don't like each other. And they're jawing at each other. And You know, back then, being a draft dodger was a serious accusation, I think. We go to our next match, Brian Pillman, Bruce Hart, Hiro Haze. So the team of Bad Company and Hiro Haze, a.k.a. the Vice Busters, defeating Gamma Singh, Jerry Mora, and Mockin Singh in the six-man tag match. Pillman starts this match out absolutely on fire. He's launching himself over the top rope to attack his opponents on the outside. Mockin Singh, Gamma Singh, they're doing everything they can. They're using foreign objects to get control of the match. Jim Davies on commentary lets us all know that it's effectively a three-on-two match because Hiro Haze had to leave the match because of injuries to his wrists. Yeah, he got knocked out fairly early in the match, right? Yeah, he got knocked out before we joined. Yeah. Mockinson has Brian Pillman in a bear hug. And stop me if you heard this one before. He battles out. He goes to tag Hart but the referee is distracted by Mockin' Singh's partner. Well, if you go to a six-man tag, you know that the referee's not going to have more control of it. <laughs> the Karachi Vice team, they're just picking Pillman apart in the ring. They've got him isolated in their half of the ring, just beating him down. And... I don't know how he did it. I don't know where he found the strength, but Pillman battles his way out of the corner and manages to tag in Bruce Hart. And Hart's just taking it to all three of them, smashing the heads of Jerry Morrow and Gamma Singh together. But he ends up getting a little bit overzealous and a little bit unfocused going for a clothesline. And Jerry Morrow is able to pull the rope down and he just goes flipping over it. Yeah, derailed the comeback. Moro throws Hart back in the ring for Gamma to do what he does best. But as soon as Gamma goes up to the top rope in the corner, Hiro Haze shoots out of the lightning room and pushes the legs out from under Gamma, sending him tumbling to the mat below. And at this point, Jerry Moro and Makin Singh, they're, they're too preoccupied with what Hiro Haze is doing out here to notice that Bruce Hart is pinning Gamma Singh in the middle of the ring. But weren't able to interfere. This was a fun match. Yeah, this was... I really looked forward to it after I heard about it the week before, and it really was exactly what I was hoping for in a way. Yeah, it had a really good mix of everything. You had great heel work from Karachi Vice. You had good cheating. You had a little bit of an injury. Oh, no, the, f the good guys are at a disadvantage. You had some good tag team moves between Pillman and Hart. It had a little bit of everything for everyone. 
and a satisfactory win at the end. Yeah, I kind of, uh, there's just certain guys, like I'm kind of looking forward if we can get a Pillman Gamma Singh match. Oh, that would be so good. Because you should be able to line it up somewhere. Oh, yeah. We go to the main event. We talked about it at the start of this show, of this show, and we talked about it at the end of the October 9th show. Owen Hart, Jason the Terrible. Owen Hart defeating Jason the Terrible in this one by disqualification. And again, Owen Hart is obsessed with getting Jason the Terrible's mask off of him. And commentary, Ed Whalen, Jim Davies, they're not quite certain if it is because he wants to know who's under the mask or because he wants to get it off of him because it's a fiberglass mask and it's essentially a weapon. Could be a little of each. It could be. Owen is right on top of Jason the Terrible, but Zodiac gets in there and pulls Owen off of it. And all of a sudden, it's Zodiac and Jason the Terrible facing Owen Hart and attacking him with the mask a couple of times before Chris Benoit hits the ring and attacks both of them. He throws Jason over the top rope and he absolutely crushes the Zodiac with, with an insanely explosive dropkick. And Jason and Zodiac, they throw Benoit and Owen together towards each other and they link arm reverse direction and just send Jason and Zodiac spilling out of the ring. And the crowd goes wild. It's a great feel-good moment sending the fans home happy, making sure everyone watching on TV is happy and it's not spoiling that because it's setting up for a good tag team match the next week Benoit and Owen Hart against Jason the Terrible and the Zodiac which is an excellent match to look forward to moving on to October 23rd 1987 the first two matches, Phil LaFleur defeating Bill Jodine and Corporal Kirshner defeating Gilles Defosse. These two matches combined, I would be surprised if they were like even two minutes of the broadcast. There's not a whole lot to say about these matches. They were really short on television and the match between Kirshner and Gilles Defosse is almost a complete afterthought to Kirshner and Mock and Singh because they're yelling at each other before the match, throughout the match, and commentary is making a big deal of how fast Kirshner is defeating all of his opponents. And this match lasted 55 seconds with Corporal Kirshner winning the match with the Kamikaze Slam. Yeah, it was quick and over and kind of trying to build up that Mike Tyson appearance i think yeah we go from that to another match that was extremely short it was just under three minutes long steve DeSalvo defeating beef wellington and DeSalvo just powers over beef wellington and shrugs off his offense at one point he leapfrogs over wellington and just turns wellington inside out with a stiff clothesline he hits a pile driver, and it's all over. 
So we've gone through three matches and the total time spent with promos and everything else is under 10 minutes. And there was, you know, there was matches there that I would have liked to have seen a little longer. I'd like to see more of Biff Wellington. Hopefully we get to see more from him later. And we go from that to a tag team match. Brian Pillman, Bruce Hart, the team of Bad Company, defeating Goldie Rogers and Viet Cong Express number two. No titles are on the line. They're, they're still held up. We haven't decided who the champion is there. This is really kind of a warm-up match for Bad Company, where we open with Hart hitting a diving elbow and... Waylon and Davies bicker about Davies dressing up like bad company the previous week, complaining about journalistic integrity, which is amazing because Ed Waylon just loves bad news. Allen, regardless of whether he's good or bad. Yeah. Uh, but Pillman is in control. He smashes the heads meeting of the minds between Goldie Roger and Viet Cong express. I'm curious if that counts as a tag. The referee didn't signal it was a tag, but I, I don't know. Legally, is it? Um, Rogers and Viet Cong try to beat down Pillman in the corner, but Pillman is able to battle over, tag in Hart, and they trade off tag team moves before Pillman hits a big splash from the top rope to get the pinfall victory. This one was a warm-up match for Bad Company before their tag team championship opportunity. Yeah, and again, I just I love their finishes on matches. Like their finishing yeah. moves on matches are just always enjoyable. Yeah, bad company. Like we've seen them finish matches probably six different ways. Yeah, and you never, you know, you can kind of see it coming, but you can't guess what they're going to do. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes. Bad company had their warm-up match. Karachi, Vice, Jerry Moro, and Mockin Singh have their warm-up match against Johnny Smith and Mr. Hito. This was another really, really short match where Jerry Moro and Mockin Singh were just in control the entire time. Poor Mr. Hito. Poor Mr. Hito. I mean, he was a, he's a North American heavyweight champion before, we, before these shows that we've started watching. But there's just something about him where, where I love him. I want him to win. I want him to do well. And I want him to get that championship back. Well, and you look at him in this match, and he doesn't weigh half as much as either of his opponents. It's got to be hard. And speaking of two of the smaller wrestlers in Stampede Wrestling, British Commonwealth mid-heavyweight title is on the line between Gamma Singh, the champion, defending against Hirohaze. Hirohaze wins this one by disqualification. Again, this one was really short on television. We joined it in progress and got to see three minutes of it, maybe. This one I was really frustrated at because these two guys in the ring, it has all the makings of being a masterpiece. They're two of the best mid-heavyweight wrestlers in the company, and that's including guys like Owen Hart and Chris Benoit, who were known for how phenomenal they are in the ring. These two guys are right there with them. 
But ultimately, this match was just sacrificed to further the story between Mock and Singh and Corporal Kirshner. The main event, Chris Benoit and Owen Hart against Jason the Terrible and Zodiac. And this one ended up as a double disqualification, which uh, was just kind of the cherry on top of a frustration Sunday for me. This whole show felt very off to me. It was, you had a whole bunch of squash matches. You had two of the best wrestlers in the company and you didn't give them the opportunity. And then you've been building up this tag match, this Owen Hart, Chris Benoit against the Legion of Doom for, this is the third week. So you've been building up for three weeks now and you just end it with a double DQ. Up until the finish, this match was good though. We, we come into the match partway through. Owen Hart instantly hits Jason the Terrible with a pile driver and a diving knee drop. And Jason has changed his white overalls for orange in this case. I like it. It makes him look a little bit more like a deranged lunatic. Zodiac tags in quickly and Owen Hart and he go back and forth in the ring until Jason the Terrible uses a pile driver on Chris Benoit on the outside to distract Owen. Zodiac attacks Owen from behind as he's distracted and the Legion of Doom have the upper hand, isolating Owen inside the ring as Benoit appears to be knocked out outside of the ring. Jason the Terrible uses a pile driver on Owen in the middle of the ring but Benoit is already up on the apron and he trips Jason when he's on the top turnbuckle. Owen throws Zodiac outside of the ring and jumps off the top rope to strike Zodiac on the outside. And it's just, these four guys are just brawling on the outside and it's, it's a double disqualification. Crazy exciting match though. Up until the finish, it was great. It's just, it was just, you had three single squash matches to open it. Then you had two tag team squash matches. Then you had a amazing mid-card match that you just threw away. And then you couldn't even get like a, a real finish on that final match. Yeah, it was kind of a shame. It wasn't the best episode. It was one of the weaker ones, I think. It was frustrating to watch. But luckily... The next week, October 30th, I think was actually one of the better ones. Yeah, and the previous two had been pretty good. So I think on average, the one, you know, the episodes I like are more than the episodes I kind of blog. Oh, absolutely. I've seen more great wrestling from Stampede Wrestling than I have seen bad. But that, that episode, I think, the October 23rd episode, I think was one of the worst I've seen so far. October 30th, we have Phil LaFleur defeating Viet Cong Express number two in our opener. This was a better showcase of Phil LaFleur. Commentary puts him over saying that he won't be in preliminary matches very long as he's moving up the rankings for the mid-heavyweight and heavyweight championships. And LaFleur says that he wants to take on Mockensing, Jason the Terrible, and that he's disappointed in Jerry Morrow because Jerry was his friend when they were training, but he has changed too much. So you put Phil LaFleur against a member of Karachi Vice and Viacom Express number two, and 
he he runs with that and he starts creating feuds for himself in these promos against Jerry Morrow, Mock and Singh. And he name drops Jason the Terrible too, which is, it's a bold thing to do because I think everyone should be scared of Jason the Terrible. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm taking on an all, all comers moment. Yeah. We go from that promo to Mock and Singh in the ring for a promo. He says that the following week, the first show of November, it will be Mock and Sing and Jerry Morrow against the team of Bad Company in a no disqualification, no count out tag team match for the vacant international tag team championships. He then quickly takes his shirt off to show a red mark around his neck and says that he wants to see Bruce Hart's clothesline banned in wrestling. And I must say, it was red. It it looked fresh. Like it looked like he literally just got hit with it and took it off. Yeah, it wasn't something that happened a day or two ago. It looked like a giant hickey. There you go. We go from that to another singles match, Corporal Kirshner, Biff Wellington. And this one lasts longer than I expected, giving it's Corporal Kirshner. This one lasted a good five minutes after we joined it. Biff Wellington really frustrating Corporal Kirshner in this match. He's in control. He's he's putting Kirshner into arm bars. He's taking him down with drop toe holds. He's locking inside headlocks on Kirshner. And Wellington's in control of this one for quite a bit of the match. Which was good to see because, you know, he's... He's kind of gotten a lot of guys over a bit, I think, in his career up till now. It's good to see him showcase him a little bit. Yeah, really. And the Kirshner breaks up Wellington's momentum uh, as Wellington is running at him and he hits him with a monkey flip. And with his last breath, Wellington gets some final offensive moves in before Kirshner gets that kamikaze drop and he gets the pin on him. And this was the longest match that Kirchner's had so far. And honestly, it's probably the best I've seen him look. Yeah, you finally start to see who he is and what he is. And I think Beth Wellington was really good up against them to showcase. You know, they were able to showcase both guys, I think, were putting on a display of what they could do in the ring. Just Kirshner is a little more seasoned. We get two tag team matches in quick succession. Team of Bad Company defeating Bill Jodine and Goldie Rogers. You would expect the Team of Bad Company to be dominating this one, and they do. Hart ends up getting the win, hitting Bill Jodine with a running clothesline, and Mockensing is on commentary, and he's just losing it. He's having an apoplectic fit, and he has to leave commentary at that point. Yeah, you, you would have think he was out there mugging someone with a gun the way he started screaming. It was, it was a good bet. It was great, and going from the number one team to the other number one team because they're both number one contenders because the titles held up. Jerry Moro and Makin Singh, Karachi Vice, defeating Hiro Haze and Mr. Hito. This one was pretty formulaic where the team of Karachi Vice have the upper hand and there's very little offense coming from the team of Hiro Haze and Mr. Hito. 
the team of Karachi Vice cheating to pick up the win, which is which is great to see because that's what they do best. And especially when it's a match they could, you know, easily win without cheating. Yeah, it's just even more infuriating. It just really cements the character. There was one moment where Hiro Haze is able to tag in Mr. Hito, and Mr. Hito just gets in the ring and he's just headbutting everybody and he's just headbutts Moro, headbutts Makin, headbutts Moro, headbutts Makin, and he's just going for it. He had his moments, you know, and Mr. Hito, you kind of, what, what I think we should do is at some point make a best of all the moments he was ahead so we <laughs> can finally watch him dominate a match. His opponent's changing every move. It, it was a good moment in these two tag team matches that are really just intended to put over the two teams of Karachi Vice and Bad Company and set up that match for the first show in November. I'm looking forward to watching that show. Yeah, that'll be good. Especially, I think they've this episode really, I liked it a lot, so I'm kind of looking forward to the next one to see if they carry it over. This one basically took everything from October 23rd and kind of turned it on its head. You didn't have six squash matches up front. The tag team matches were one-sided, but they were probably a good third of the show between the two of them. Yeah. It just felt more balanced, this show, than the last. Our second-to-last match in October is Jason the Terrible defeating Chris Benoit the night before Halloween. And you can't be surprised, because, I mean, Halloween's Jason's time. Oh, yeah, his power is just astronomical. No one can compete with him then. He throws Benoit out of the ring between the second and third ropes directly onto the announcer's table, where he smashes him face first into the table multiple times. And Benoit is bleeding here. Jason drags Benoit back into the ring and headbutts him with the fiberglass hockey mask before going for the pin. Benoit is somehow able to get his shoulder up to avoid the three count. And he has a brief moment where he's able to reverse an Irish whip into a sunset flip pin attempt, but it's very fleeting. Jason picks him up and hits him with a pile driver for a two count. Then he uses a scoop slam before headed to the top rope for a diving headbutt. Referee Wayne Hart's counting one, two, and Jason just picks Benoit up off the mat he goes for the headbutt from a different corner. Again, referee Wayne Hart down for the count. He gets to a count of one, and Jason's picking Benoit off the mat again. Jason goes to a third corner, does a diving headbutt again, and picks up Benoit at the count of two. And at this point, Wayne Hart's not happy. He gives Jason a yellow card because you're not even trying to win the match at this point. You're just trying to hurt Chris Benoit. And Jason responds to the yellow card by going up to the top in the fourth corner and attacking Benoit with another diving headbutt. But this time, he keeps Benoit down for a three count. After the match, he uses a pile driver on Chris Benoit and then a running elbow drop, and he leaves Benoit motionless in the ring. Yeah, it was a statement match for Jason. Because Benoit is not weak by any means. And he just, you know, sometimes at the end, there's some doubt as to whether the guy... You know, was it three, but he, he just beat him. Absolutely. He just dominated him. From that match, 
to the other two members of that tag team match on October 23rd, Owen Hart defeating the Zodiac for the Stampede North American heavyweight title. We joined it in progress where Zodiac is attacking Owen Hart on the concrete outside of the ring. Owen manages to crawl his way back into the ring and he's greeted with a rope-assisted vertical suplex from the Zodiac for his troubles. Zodiac goes for the pin, but Owen is able to get his foot on top of the rope for the rope break, and the referee obviously sees it and says, you got to break the pinfall, I'm not going to count any further. Zodiac drags Owen head and shoulders onto the apron of the ring and uses elbow smashes across Owen's throat and chest. Zodiac brings Owen back into the ring and slams him in the middle. And goes for a splash, but Owen manages to get his foot up, stunning the Zodiac enough for Owen to get that, just that opening where he is able to use a second rope knee drop on the Zodiac and get control. And from there, it's, it's all Owen. He's in control. A big back body drop sets the Zodiac up for Owen to go to the top rope, but he manages to catch a glimpse of Jason the Terrible on the outside of the ring. That distracts Owen enough where Zodiac ends up setting Owen up for a pile driver, but Owen reverses the pile driver on Zodiac and then hits a big elbow drop for the three count. Yeah, and that was a really enjoyable match. You know, like I said, I'm starting to like the Zodiac a lot more. Owen is one of the best. Owen's one of the best of all time. He was always my favorite member of the Hart Foundation. I always preferred Owen over Brett. But this this match really shows how good he was at telling stories and how good he was at helping his opponent come up to his level. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Because it was just a really enjoyable match all the way through. Other than, you know, when I'd get really angry when Owen wasn't winning. But you always think back to Stampede Wrestling and you think of the long list of names that they had. And I guarantee that a lot of people aren't going to think, oh, Owen Hart versus the Zodiac, that'll be a good match. But it was truly a good match. The Zodiac elevated his game up to Owen Hart's level in this match. Yeah, it was a, it was a good topper to the evening. Although I'm wondering if they ever did like a... And, and you know the one bad thing that I kind of remember, and we'll probably run into it, is back in the day when they had the really, really super good matches, they didn't televise them. That'll be frustrating. I seem to remember that. Like when you'd have the uh, one of the guys I remember, like Bad News Allen or Dave Schultz, I always thought they were, because they were the matches that were going to be bloodbaths. You wouldn't get to see those. You'd have to go see it live. Well, and that's one thing that's really interesting in how WWE uses their television product versus how Stampede Wrestling used theirs. Stampede Wrestling's television shows were really advertisements for the live events, whereas WWE's weekly show, Raw and SmackDown, they're really advertisements for pay-per-views, for the WWE Network specials. It's a shift in how people consume content, really, where in the 1980s, you would physically go somewhere. Now, you're converting people into paying customers through the internet. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you're more likely to go watch some 
you know, if you could go to a local baseball game as opposed to watching it on TV. But mind you, you didn't have the options back then either. So if there was sports on, it was hockey night in Canada, maybe you'd get a ball game or two a week and some football. But there wasn't even, I don't think, the option where you could watch any of the games around or anything like that. You kind of had what was on TV or nothing. So you did tend to go to the local sports or to a, you know, a real live game because it was more available. That's the only way to see those things, right? Stampede Wrestling, they're taking a show that's probably two and a half, maybe three hours and condensing it down to one hour. So if you want to see everything that happens outside of that hour, you got to come. If you want to see what happens in Red Deer or Leduc or Edmonton or Lethbridge, you got to go to the show. Oh, yeah. And it's a great advertisement. I mean, they do a great job, you know, the play-by-play and everything. But that wraps it up for October 1987. We will be back next week for November 1987. So please make sure you tune back in then to listen to us talk about some more Stampede Wrestling because it's fantastic to watch and I love talking about it. And in the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another edition of Wrestling Rodeo.